our passage for today is going to be found in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14 is our passage for today. If you want to turn there. Let's see if we got... All right, we got the title up there today. <laughs> sorry, sorry, it was funny. Hey, I make mistakes all the time, so I, I feel like we're one and the same when we do that. Um, but yeah, before we read our passage, uh, it was about a year ago, uh, Devin and I were going through some boxes and just old stuff that we had laying around the house, or maybe not laying around, stored. And uh, I found some drawings that I had made uh, when I was a kid. I was probably a little older than Oliver. And uh, it was kind of cool because there was some like random stuff that I'd be embarrassed to show anybody today, just because I'm like, why am I drawing this kind of stuff? Uh, but then there was uh, this this picture of my dad in there, right? And he's he's sitting back here. He's not he's not shy, so he's not worried about me telling this story. Well, he probably didn't even know it. So, anyways, I, I drew this picture of him uh, ski jumping, right? He's like like all it's a, this magnificent well, in the mind of an eight year old. It's like this magnificent picture of him ski jumping. And I'm I didn't ask him before we came, but I'm pretty sure he's never done it. Uh, but in that time, I just imagined him being great at it, right? I was like, oh, he's, he, can, he can do this with no problem. And I think as kids, right, we always imagine our, our dads as these, like, amazing people that can do anything and everything, right? And, and that's always a discussion. My dad can beat up your dad, right? Like, that's, it's kind of like that. And, you know, some of us are able to do the things that our kids think that we can do, you know? Uh, and some of us can't, right? But uh, now, you know, me as a father, I thought it was supposed to be funny. I don't know why. But anyways... Obviously. So, uh, but yeah, now as a father and, and, you know, 37 and a half, almost 38 years as a son, uh, you know, I can confidently say this, that no matter how great or how not so great your father was, as Alistair Begg said, uh, he said it this way, the best of men are but men at best. Now, why do I say that? Well, for every son or daughter who has called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, all of us have a heavenly father who is infinitely greater than any father who has ever lived. Amen. You know, he, he took us when we were at our worst. We were sheep without a shepherd. There was no good in us, as Romans 3 tells us. We were selfish. Uh, some of us were addicts. Some were gossipers, slanderers, idolaters, sexually immoral. Um, and all of us were self-righteous. This is where we were in our natural state. But it was in this state that we were found. It was in this state where Christ died for us and our sins. As Jonathan Edwards says, we contribute nothing to our salvation except for the sin that made it necessary. We contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that made it necessary. Because God is great, because his love is beyond all measure and his mercy endures forever, if we've called upon the name of the Lord, we can say this about ourselves, that we have been granted newness of life. We now have a life with purpose, with meaning, and with joy. Knowing that we serve such a magnificent God who is abounding in steadfast love, we get to live this life where we strive to be more and more like our Heavenly Father. Right? Being holy as our Father in Heaven is holy. Being loving as our Father in Heaven is loving. Being forgiving as our Father in Heaven is forgiving. Now, as we read through the New Testament and look back into the Old Testament, we can see that Christ did this perfectly. Hebrews 1 tells us that Christ is the exact imprint of his nature. 
Christ is not a, an imitation. He's not a copy. He's not a duplicate. He is of the same substance, the same perfection, the same divinity as God. And it's his example that we follow. Right? We are not only to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that God has given us, but we are to be imitators of God. So we do this today kind of like our title for the message, like Father, Like Son, right? We do this by a couple of things that I'm going to name here. We do so, we imitate God by walking with God, walking in love, and walking as light. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that goes on in this passage, and for the sake of time, we can't cover it all, but those are going to be the big things that we look at to what, that we are commanded to do, walk with God, to walk in love, and to walk as light. So in light of this, let's go ahead and read our passage and then ask God to bless our time, and then we'll get into our sermon. So this is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. It says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as, it is, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Verse seven, therefore, do not become partakers or excuse me, partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found all found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That is the word of the Lord. Let us pray and ask God to bless the reading and hearing of his word. Dear only Father, we come to you, Lord, in this time, and we are thankful for this time that we are given in your word. It is you who has, who has prayed for us, who has told us that it is your word that sanctifies us, because it is truth. So we ask in this time that you do this, Lord, that as your word goes forth, that it accomplishes what it is set out to accomplish, uh, that we are washed in it, that we are edified by it, we are convicted by it. May my words be your words, and uh, may we just... Um, just bask and enjoy the goodness that is found in you and all that you are as you have revealed yourself through your word. This is our prayer and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's first look at how to walk with God. What does that mean? If, if this is one of the things that we see in this passage, how do we walk with God? Well, as verse 1 tells us, we are to be imitators of God. And what better way to imitate God than by walking with him? Jesus' disciples walked with him for three years and they would have known him best. They walked, talked, slept, ate, prayed together, fished together, lived together, right? That's, that's, they, their lives were consumed with one another. So we ask ourselves, well, how do I get to know someone better? If I tell, if I tell someone, like, I'd, I'd like to get to know you, you spend time with them, right? That's, that's what we do. You get to see their good side, and you get to see their bad side, right? That, that helps you see what kind of person they are. 
Now, when it comes to God, obviously we know that God does not have a bad side. Uh, but oftentimes, as we read through the Old Testament and we see the things that are going on in there, if we're not, if we don't have proper context and interpret it well, then we kind of think of God in this way, right? We see groups of people being slaughtered, right, in the Old Testament. We see uh, different things going on, and we kind of assume their innocence. We're like, man, why are these people going through just slaughtering this entire people group? Uh, but as we do that, we forget that these were pagan people that worshipped other gods, that, that did lots of uh, heinous things within their time. Uh, a lot of these groups, for example, would sacrifice children, uh, cannibalize people, or just performed abominable acts that we can't even talk about here. They were far from innocent. So when we think about walking with God and knowing God, there's a passage in Jeremiah that I wanted to share with us because this is from the prophet Jeremiah, and he is saying this through the prophet, or this is what God is saying through the prophet. This is Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Let me read that for us. It says this. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands me and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Right. So what we see in that verse and kind of relating back to our passage today we can't truly know how loving God is until we see how truly holy he is. We can't understand his compassion and mercy without understanding his justice and his righteousness. Right? We won't understand his patience until we understand how truly sinful we are and selfish we are in spite of the good things that he has done for us even after salvation, day in and day out. So what we must do, we must know and understand him. And this isn't spouting off theological terms left and right and be able to say nice things in five letter words or five dollar words. It's about truly knowing him, right? Truly knowing who he is, understanding who he is and what he delights in and doing these things. Psalm 1611 says it this way. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, we can't understand or, or know true happiness apart from God. It is in his presence where we find fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says it this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of waters that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Right, so walking with the Lord, walking with God brings us into his presence. It fills us with joy, and it produces within us fruitful labors that are a blessing not only to us, but to all those around us. Now, this is kind of rehashing where we went last week, but our passage today starts with a therefore. So it's good for us to pull from what was said before, since there is a therefore. But what we see when we imitate God, as we walk with him, we start doing these things that were mentioned in chapter uh, four. One of those things is found in verse 32. It says this to be kind to one another. This is what we start doing as we walk with the Lord. We are kind to one another. We are tender hearted. We are forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. So as we are being sanctified by his word, we are spending time in prayer, we are spending time with his people, we walk with him. 
And not only do we walk with him, we begin to walk in love. And so that leads us to our next point. So let's look at that. What does it mean to walk in love? How do we walk in love? Well, loving as Christ loved us in a sacrificial manner is is how that is done. This is achieved when we don't do the things that Paul has commanded in this letter for us not to do, right, as we saw, uh, as we read through it. But I think one of the things when we think about things to not do, I think some of the best advice or best uh, lessons that I've ever learned, some of them are watching other people's failures. Is, Is that just me or is... Right. Like if you think about it, right, you're, you're with a group of friends and one guy or, gr- or girl like wants to do something foolish. We'll call it foolish. Right. You're like, well, you go right ahead. Now, if, if it works for you, I'll do it. Right. They go do it, fall on their face, fall on their butt, whatever. Like they just, you know, it's, it's an epic fail video moment. Right. That's that's what we get. Uh, then you're like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to do something else. Uh, you know, but that's that's what we do. Right. A lot of times we see somebody else do it wrong and then we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that or I'm not going to do it that way. Now, as I say that, uh, well, let me before I go any further, I, I, when I think about those generic kind of ideas when it comes to that, I think about my own life and how me being the older brother. Right. I was I was humble enough to experience a lot of those things. Right. A lot of the don'ts. And, and I was and I'm sure my brother is grateful that I was able to experience all this heartache and pain and suffering that he didn't have to experience. And so if he's watching or if he hears about this, you're welcome. You know, Randy, you're welcome. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where we are, right? I did a lot of foolish things. And then he was like, you know what? I don't want any part of that. I'm going to steer clear of those things. Now, that's just kind of to, to paint a picture for us when we're talking about the things that God has called us to and the things that we're not called to do and how we avoid those things. And in doing that, I don't want to downplay the prohibitions that we see in Scripture, right? If God says not to do something, we shouldn't do it be, for those reasons, and, and we shouldn't just lackadaisically just go into those things. Uh, so I'm not trying to downplay sinful behavior, right? If we're sinning, we're grieving God, as we talked about last week. Uh, but, but God has called us to live in a manner worthy of the calling that he's given us. And so when we do these things that he has commanded us not to, we're not only doing things that can physically hurt us or spiritually hurt us, we're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And I think that's something that we tend to lose sight of, that we truly grieve God, right? It's not just something that I, I slip on ice as, as I'm walking out the door and, and I'm hurting my leg or whatever or my head. These are things that grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When we bear his name, right, we bear the name of the Lord. When we act in a way that's contrary to his spirit and the things that he's commanded of us, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, one way that I, you know, as I'm trying to paint this picture for us to kind of personalize it, because I think a lot of times when we think about grieving the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like this, you know, he, he doesn't have a human heart that, that breaks in, in the sense that our heart breaks and things like that. So it's kind of hard for us a lot of times to picture uh, God being grieved when he knows everything and it's not surprised by anything and, and he's using these things for our good. But I think to try to personalize it for us, another way to kind of view this as far as the, the grieving of the Holy Spirit and and how we walk in this manner that, that's improper and, and uh, we shouldn't. I was thinking about like me as a, as a father, right, having kids. And, you know, if you have kids, you kind of think of it this way. If you are a kid and you have parents, you can kind of think of it in the reverse way. But, you know, you want to send your kids to somebody to watch them, right? Sunday school or you're going to go on a date or something with your spouse. And you're like, you want to send your kids to someone. And you basically tell them, hey, y'all need to behave and act right and do this and that. And, you know, once once the night is done, if the people are like, oh, yeah, they were great, you know, they, yeah, they can't wait to do it again. But then word gets around that don't watch them kids like they, they, it's terrible. Right. 
once you catch wind of that, it, it, it hits you deep, right? Because they, they reflect you, right? They're, they're your kids. And so it's like, it's like that, right? We bear the name of God. And so when we're going out and, and we're doing things and, and we sin in these ways that are contrary to the spirit of God and what he has called us to, we're bearing a false witness of God, right? In the world, when we sin, when we sin against our brothers in the, in the Lord, these things grieve the Holy Spirit. Like we are tarnishing his name as we do those things. And so I, I think that's important for us to, to kind of recognize that. It's, it's a similar thing, but obviously for God, it's, it's a greater sin than, than our kids sinning against us. So as I say that, we are to walk in love. That's where it's to do, right? We walk with God. We walk in love. These are the two things that we're called to do. Now, as we look at our passage today, there's one thing in particular that I kind of wanted to touch on because it's, I don't know, I mean, I think we talk about it here and there, um, but within this passage, it's front and center. So I think it's important for us today. Um, one example of not walking in love, or, or should I say, I'm sorry, walking in love is sexual morality, right? Walking in sexual morality. Now, we, we hear the word sex a lot of times, and it's kind of like, oh, it's, you don't say that in church. You know, you don't use the word sex. Like, it's not a bad word, right? People made it bad. It's, it's a good thing. It's a gift from God that God has given within the confines of marriage. Um, but the, the passage tells us, it talks about this, right? It talks about us not being sexually immoral, right? Sex was a gift from God. Man took it and perverted it. That's what made it immoral and wrong. So that tells us there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. Now, this word here in our passage is porneia. That's the Greek. It's a one Greek word that we get the two English words, sexual immorality, um, porneia. And I think if you've ever heard any words that sound similar to it, I think we know what, what we tend to think of with that word. But it's, it's, it's more than just that, right? It's more than just videos. And I wanted to kind of, you know, under the, you know, kind of give an, an example of what porneia is, um, you know, and, and kind of talk about that, because I think this is important for us as a church, right? We, we have singles, we have marrieds, we have kids that are growing up, right? And all of us need to know what sexual morality is. So what are some of the things that are sexually immoral uh, acts, right? What are some things that we can talk about that Paul has in mind that he's mentioned in other places or we see in scripture elsewhere? Well, the, the, the generic general sense, the overarching theme is fornication, right? Sex outside of marriage is considered fornication. That's any kind of sex. So that is a general term, fornication. Some of the, you know, uh, the King James and other Bibles like using that word. Uh, it's just a generic word for sexual immorality. Now, there's what are some other forms of, of porneia? Well, homosexuality, that would be one as well. Doesn't matter if it's within the confines of marriage or not, right? This is not what God has ordained. Homosexuality is sinful. Uh, pedophilia, that's another form of porneia. Bestiality, molestation, rape. Rape ha happens outside of marriage. Rape happens inside of marriage. Uh, pornographic images, videos, books, audio clips, uh, masturbation, and lustful thoughts. All of these things are porneia. These are all sexually immoral acts. And what we see here in our passage is you cannot walk in love and pursue these immoral acts. We cannot walk in love and lust at the same time. Look at what our passage tells us today. It says this, for you may be sure of this, right? You may be confident of this. You may trust or believe in this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ 
and God. It says it right there. There is no place for sexual immorality in the kingdom of God. Strong language, right? It's uh, kind of of uncomfortable even talking about this kind of stuff in church. It it can be. Uh, But that's what it says, right? This This is what Paul is telling us. You can know without a shadow of a doubt that those who are sexually immoral, impure, or covetous, they're basically all the same thing, have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, I want to let that kind of marinate for a little bit because it's, it's serious, right? We, need, we must take this serious. If he's telling us they have no place in the kingdom, then it's, there's, he's on high alert, right? These should draw up some red flags. Now, I know a lot of times when we, when we think about these type of acts, it's kind of like, or any sin in general, right? When we talk about sin, it's like, these are sinful things, but, you know, whatever. There's some, like, kind of softening of the edges. And I think we need to keep those edges hard when we talk about sexual immorality because it's so rampant, right? With the increase of um, what, we, what the church would consider heinous sins, um, there's almost a, like, a lightening of like heterosexual sins, right? I mean, you, you kind of think, well, at least they're not committing homosexual sins. They're, they're living together. This couple's living together and they're doing this or that. We kind of lighten it like it's not sin against God, right? But all of it, it doesn't matter what type of fornication it is. This is what he's talking about. All of these acts are sin against God and they have no place in the kingdom of God. So I want us to ask ourselves, right? Each and every one of us that's here today, are you sexually immoral? Are you impure? Are you covetous? Are these things that you are holding on to today? Do you check off any of those boxes? Have you, are you committing sex? Are you ha- committing? Are you having sex outside of marriage? Are you committing homosexual acts? Are you masturbating? Are you watching pornography? Are you visualizing or fantasizing about immoral sexual acts within your mind? Right? If you're married, hey, you think about your wife or your husband all day long. Right? But if you're not... Right. If it's anything outside of that, um, are these boxes that you can check off? And I think if we're being honest with ourselves, all of those things are things that this church deals with. There's it's going on every church. uh, You can't get around it. These are things that people experience. Paul Paul's writing to a church now. So we can't act like his the church that he was writing to was any different than what we see today. Just a lot of these things are swept under the rug. They're not mentioned. They're not brought to the light. But these are things that he's talking about. And they're important for us to talk about. So for the Christian, right, as we talk about these, these things and these acts, for the Christian, sin is a reality. Uh, and, and we do commit all kinds of heinous sins. I mean, we can look at the life of David. He committed adultery, if not rape, when he got with Bathsheba, right? We, we see that. It's, it happens. Stuff like this happens. We sin against God. But what I say to the Christian today is that if there is no sorrow over your sin as these acts are going on, and when I say sorrow, not sorrow in the sense that you get caught and then you're upset about it, but actually the act, you understand you've grieved the Holy Spirit, that you've sinned against God. If this isn't something that you're experiencing where there's there's no kind of sorrow or repentance or remorse for those acts against God, it's time to do some deep, deep examination of your heart. As we see in our passage, it is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of life and death. Listen to what James 1 says in verses 14 and 15. But each person who is tempted when or each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. 
And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It brings forth death. You cannot walk in lust and in love. You, you can't do them simultaneously, right? It's, it's one or the other. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians, excuse me, what fellowship has light with darkness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? Now that brings us to our final point, to walk as light, right? We talked about walking with God, walking in love, now to walk as light. Now as we do that, I want to reread verses 6 uh, through 14 and kind of talk about that through these verses. It says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, so kind of piggybacking off of our last point about walking in love, um, what we see here in verse 8, we're told that we were darkness. Not just that we were in darkness, we were darkness. We were darkness itself. And I don't think, I don't think a lot of times we think of ourselves in that way. Even in the past, we, we tend to kind of think of ourselves as, uh, well, if you're a woman, the, the damsel in distress or, you know, this broken, weak, feeble person like, like the people Jesus healed, which in one sense we are, we were, uh, but we kind of victimize ourselves in our sin. Well, I was, I was uh, you know, I was deceived by the devil. The, the devil made me do it. I was uh, an addict or I was this or that, and, and I just couldn't help myself, you know, until God saved me from that. And we kind of have this perception of our sin almost like we couldn't have stopped it like we caught an infection or something uh, with, without us knowing instead of us actually being darkness I mean that, that's what our passage tells us today you were darkness right that's where we were Jeremiah seventeen nine says it this way the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, who can understand it? Now, why does it talk about the heart? Is it talking about the literal heart beating in your chest, pumping blood? No, right? The heart is the home and seat of our desires, our will, our motives, all of those things. That, that's what it's referring to, right? Not a physical place in your body, but the, the spiritual, emotional state uh, of, of your body. And when we think about it, if the heart is deceitful above all things, right, it's supremely uh, deceitful, right? There's, there's no deceit above it, and it's sick. It's desperately sick. Why do, why do we hear in culture today to follow your heart, right? Follow your heart, or my heart's broken, or, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. Of course it does. It's selfish, right? It's selfish. It's sick, right? It's, 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 it's parasitic is what it is. It wants its own good. It doesn't want to glorify God, and, and that's where we were, right? That's who we were, we were darkness. That's who we were before Christ entered in and changed our hearts. Right? It was cold. It was a stone cold, dead heart that we had before God came in, took that heart of stone out and gave us a heart of flesh. We were darkness. 
But as our passage tells us, but now, now you are light in the Lord. So we are to walk as children of light. So what does light do? Right. When we think about that, you know, we think about uh, we are salt and light. You know, we're a light. We're on a city set on a hill. We're to shine bright and do all those things. There's a lot of thought that that Paul is referring kind of back to what Jesus said there as well. But what, what do we what do we know about light? What do we when we think about light in general as a metaphor? What does it do? Well, right here, if, if today, if the lights were just to go out, if it was pitch black outside and the lights were to go out in here, right, we're going to hear confusion, commotion, kids crying, maybe some adults crying, right? It's going to just cause a lot of chaos, right? If the lights go out and it's complete darkness, chaos is going to arise. When the lights come back on, people start to settle down. Then we start asking questions, what just happened, right? But it, it, there's, there's an alleviation of stress uh, with light, right? Why is that? Well, Light exposes things for what they are, right? When the lights go out, we don't know what's going on around us, right? We don't know what's there, right? You stub your toe, you whatever, right? There, it's, it's, there's confusion that's there. Uh, but light exposes things for what they are. So you're not always able, you know, if you're, you know, you can't read in the dark. Uh, some people walk around the house, you know, if, in the dark if they're a glutton for punishment, but you really can't see things for what they are in the dark, right? You need light to shine on it so you get a better grasp of what it is because light exposes things for what they are. So if light exposes things for what they are and we are called to be light in the Lord, what does that mean for us, right? If we are to walk as light and we are the light in the Lord, what does that mean for us? Well, it means that we are to walk as light because we are not the light, but the light shines through us. Right? We are these honorable vessels uh, that God is, has made for his use. Right? We are not the light, but he is the light. Right? And he is that light that shines through us. Now, not only is that light shining through us, where it's able to expose darkness out here in the world, but that light also shines within our own hearts, within our own minds. Right? It exposes the sins and the evil ways within ourselves. Now, kind of how we, you know, how these, these points all tie together, but I kind of want to bring that up. If, if we are seeking to imitate God by walking with him and we are walking in love and doing his commands, light is constantly shining through us. It is constantly exposing the sinful ways within our hearts. It's constantly exposing things for what they are. Uh, Creed qu- uh, quoted this verse earlier, but I wanted to read it again. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. It says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And then verse 13 says this, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Right As light shines in, it exposes us for who we are. So not only does it it expose sin within our lives, it exposes the reasons why we are committing those sins, where our heart is bent towards in those things. It it lays bare every motive and intent of our heart. Now, as this happens for us, right, as our sins are exposed, as, as we're led to repentance by God's kindness, as we are spending time with God's people, we're spending time in the word, we're spending time in prayer, we're doing all of these things. All of that, right, these, this ex- exposing of our sins, it promotes humility within us because we're getting to see ourselves for who we truly are, right? We tend to fool ourselves into thinking we're better than we really are, right? And, but when something happens that exposes that, 
It's either going to crush you uh, to, to a deep extent because you've built yourself up in the eyes of people, or that fall is going to be slight because you kind of have a better idea of who you are. Right? That's, that's, that's us, right? If we built up this, this, um, this tower, this ivory tower, and we've placed ourselves in it, whenever the, our sin gets exposed, that thing comes crushing, uh, crumbling down quickly. Uh, but it's important for us to constantly be shining light within our own hearts in order for us to be humbled and, and to walk in holiness as God has called us to. So as we walk in this manner, we walk as light. Uh, and and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, to kind of paint a picture for this, if you've ever, say you've ever made a visit to someone who's really sick, a Christian, right, who's like, terminally ill, right? They're on their last few days and you go spend time with them and they're still cognizant where they're able to have a conversation with you. There is like this clarity in their minds when they're able to minister to you in those times. It's, it's really a beautiful thing. Like you go there thinking I'm going to bless this person and you go there and, and you kind of start talking to them and they just, that light that they shine is beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful thing where all the distractions of life have kind of been removed. They're going to go see their savior and they're giving you advice. They're, they're shining light on you where it's just like, why well, don't I even worry about these things? Like, why does it take that? But it, it's, it's a beautiful thing when we see that light shining through, through, through other Christians. Uh, another example I wanted to give of that, I was kind of thinking when, like when Pastor was sick, I didn't ask him to share this, but it's not nothing personal. But whenever he was sick and like he was, you know, he was knocking on death's door, right? When he was in the hospital just a few months back and I hadn't seen him. We had just FaceTime video and that type of thing. But we were meeting up here because we were going to baptize Aaron, who's in the back today with us, before he was shipping off uh, for boot camp. Uh, we were meeting up here to fill up the baptismal. Well, I heard the door uh, open and the, the bean go off. And, uh, you know, I was kind of like I was waiting for him to come. Didn't want to show too much emotion. And so I tried to play it cool. Right inside. I was like a little puppy, just like tail wagging because, you know, I hadn't seen my brother in a long time. So he comes in and and. I'm going to be, I'm going to embellish his story some, right? I'm going to embellish his story a little bit. But it was kind of like he floated to the front because he was, he was so excited to be in the, in the church building, right? To be back amongst the living, right? It was, it was such an exciting time for him. And so, like, you know, he comes up and he's not a big hugger. I am. So usually I'm the one, you know, I, I, I hold on a little longer, not him, right? So that's, that's what I do. And, like, you know, gave him a hug and, and he held on for a little bit, you know? And I was like man, like, you're different, right? There's this, this difference in you. And he was, you know, as we talked about different things, he was emitting this light that, that was just like, you know, being stripped of all these hindrances that held him back. He was able to see things a lot more clearly where it was this, it was like, these things don't matter. Like, this is what matters, right? So it was like, it was contagious, right? When you see someone in that, that manner, it's like, it's really contagious for you. When that light is shining, that light shines in you, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, right? And that's what we're called to do. As we walk with God, as we walk in love, we walk as light, and it's, it's, it's contagious, right? When we get around other Christians, it is just, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to take a tragedy like that for us to walk like that. It, it takes us intentionally walking every day the way that God has called us to. But... We tend to be hard-headed, right? And it, it takes those things. Just this morning, uh, I'll give another example before we finish. Uh, I'm like, you know, Theo's homesick, and, you know, Devin's pregnant, and, and she's kind of got a raspy throat, and the other two, they're kind of just, you know, 
they're just, they're just being kids. I'll put it that way. Uh, they're just being kids. And, and I, in my mind, I'm like, things have to go this way because I'm preaching this morning and, you know, we got to get here at a certain time. We got to do things a certain way. And, you know, I'm just like, just not, not the nicest person, right? I was rude and, and mean and all that. I was all those things. So we get here to the church. I'm like, y'all get inside. I, you know, and I'm like, then I realize I don't even have my laptop. I don't have anything with me. And I'm like, oh, so then to make the story kind of brief, I'm like ready to go. I'm like, I'm just going to go home and pick it up and throw a pity party on the way. And I was like, you know what? I got a wife at home. Uh, I know she's she's feeling OK, but I was like, let me call her. And I'm like, hey, look, I'm I'm like really feeling sorry for myself right now. Uh, just, you know, so I'm, I'm I'm about to head home to pick up my backpack. But I was like, if you're filling up for it, you know, it'd be great if you could bring it. But don't feel like you have to. You know, she's like, oh, no, Theo wants to get out of the house. We'll go. And so I was like, okay. So then come back in, and then I'm in the office, and I'm praying right away, conviction. It's like, you need to go apologize to your kids, you know. And I'm like, ah, well, the class is about to start, and I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to be that guy. And I'm like, nah. So I get in there, and I go apologize to him. But it was like, uh, yeah, it, exposing the sin in my heart, right, just this morning, right, I'm, you know. Um, but that quickly, it changes. I'm like, I'm preaching the word of the Lord this morning. Like, I, you know, and here I am, like, just this war within me, right? It, it's uh, when we allow it that, that those sinful desires creep back up and they don't honor God. But thankfully, by God's grace, I've got a loving wife uh, who helps me and uh, allows me to, to, you know, be a drama queen here and there and uh, didn't, didn't judge me, right? She just loved me through it. And it covered a multitude of my sins, and, and here we are today, you know, so I thank God for that. But, yeah, as, as, we, as we close our time this morning, um, it's, it's easy to take what, what we've talked about and, and, you know, think on it and be like, you know what, I need to do better. I, I need to be a better Christian. I need to better, be a better father. I need a better son, better daughter, better wife, better whatever, right, and kind of think of it. I need to do better, right? We, we, that's, that's where our mind naturally goes. And so if that is you, right? I, saw, I don't know if I saw any head shake, but I'll just say I did, right? Yeah, maybe some of y'all were shaking y'all's head. Yes, right? Yeah, I want to do better. Uh, if that's what you heard, I either did not present this information right or you weren't listening, okay? Because it's not about being better. We, we, we don't get better. We are either saved or we're not, all right, we're either clothed with Christ's righteousness or we're not. We're either forgiven or we're not. I mean, it's, it's plain and simple, right? We don't gain favor with God by performing better. That, that's not what the Christian life is about. So if you don't hear anything else that I've said, and don't worry, I'm going to clear this up. If you don't hear anything else that I've said, let me tell you this. God is good. And you are not. God is faithful, and you are not. God is pure, and you are not. Now, in spite of all of that, God loves you. God cares for you. God will never leave you nor forsake you. You don't need anything better than that. Amen? We don't need anything better than that. That's as good as it gets. Now, what you do need to do 
is you need to believe God and his word. That's what you need to do. You need to repent of your disobedience and your unbelief in all that he has commanded of you. You need to trust him as you walk with him and seek to know him. And trust that he will conform you into the image of his son. Now, as we walk with God, we walk in love and we walk as light. We do these things to the praise of his glorious name. That's why we do anything that we do. Now, as the music team comes up here, I want to close our sermon uh, with a reading from God's word in Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter Colossians is kind of like a, a sister book, if you will, for Ephesians. They say a lot of the same things. He just words them a little differently. And so in this time, as a song plays, we're going to have a time for reflection, for prayer, uh, whatever you need to do in this time. If, if you feel like you need to pray with someone, you can come forward. If you want to pray with someone within the congregation, feel free to do that. If you want to pray by yourself, do that as well. But let's not put this off another moment. If there's sins that have been if there are sins that have been exposed, let them be exposed. Confess them to God. He is the one who is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's him. So let me read Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 17. It says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And this is how he sums it up. This is how we should be thinking when we think about what we are called to. And whatever you do in word or deed, that encompasses everything, what we say and what we do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now let's pray.